continue in this attitude of worship, we're going to hear from God's word this morning. A gospel reading from the gospel according to St. John, chapter 1, beginning at verse 35. It's kind of a long reading, that's why I had to sit down. (laughs) The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard that John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and to tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Well, Happy New Year, Community of Grace. Good to be with you as we begin the new year and as we continue on our Route 66 journey through the grand story of the Bible. And we have covered a lot of ground since we started this journey all the way back in September, like the entire Old Testament, (laughs) all the way through the Old Testament. We didn't cover it comprehensively, but we covered a lot of ground. We saw a lot of characters. We heard a lot of stories that are part of the big story, God's big story story. But if you're stepping in today and you're just joining us, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. I don't want you to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so far behind. Uh, What's even the point? No, 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 no. I'm glad you're here and glad you're coming right now because this is something I know for certain. Jesus will meet you wherever you are on your journey. I'm confident of this for three reasons. Number one, I've seen it in my own life. Again and again, in the high points and the low points, on the mountaintops, in the valleys, on the good days, on the bad days, Jesus finds me and has always found me right where I am, revealed himself to me, 
comforted me in the times when I needed comfort, encouraged me in the times I needed encouragement, exhorted me in the times I needed a little extra push. That's just who Jesus is. And he finds you wherever you are on your journey. And that's the second thing, is that I have witnessed it again and again and again in the people of God, the people in this congregation, the people in every congregation I have served. Hundreds of people over and over again who will share their story of how Jesus encountered them, of how Jesus met them in times that were sometimes difficult, times that were celebratory in all kinds of different stages and places and journeys of life, at all different ages, in all different locations. Jesus meets his people wherever they are on their journey. And I can see it clearly in today's reading from John's gospel where Jesus meets his disciples right where they are in all their different places. We're going to be in John's gospel now as we continue on through the big story. Like I said, we were in the Old Testament. Now we're turning the page into the New Testament. And this year's focus is in the gospel of John as we follow along Jesus' story. And let me just tell you a couple of things about the gospel of John. The gospel of John is a little bit different than the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those three are called the synoptic gospels. And John is called just the other gospel, the not synoptic one. And there's a reason for that. It's different. It has a different kind of language to it. All of these books were written in Greek originally, but the kind of Greek that shows up in John's Gospel is just a little bit different. And you might not notice it in the translation as much, but it's definitely a different style of writing that John has. And I would say something that really speaks deeply in John's Gospel is that this is personal for John. This is John's personal encounter with Jesus. John refers to himself within the gospel that bears his name, not by saying his own name, but by talking about himself as the one whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Yeah, exactly. To kind of think about him like, oh, all the rest of the disciples were like, well, I guess he doesn't really love us that much then. Thanks, John. No, but really, this is John's self-understanding, his closeness with Jesus It's reflected in the story. It shows up in key points in the story, even at the end of the story as Jesus is on the cross and and entrusts the care of his own mother into John's care. It was that kind of friendship. It was that kind of collegial relationship and, and deep love that they shared with one another. So this particular gospel bears all of those those signs and symbols and parts of a deep relationship with Jesus. Stories that are shared within the Gospel of John that don't appear anyplace else. It's beautifully written and powerfully shared. You'll also notice something about the Gospel of John when you start into it, and that's that the Gospel of John has no birth narrative, okay? There's no story of Mary and Joseph coming down from Nazareth and going to Bethlehem and having a baby and wise men. None of that occurs in the Gospel of John. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It means that John wants to place a different emphasis on who this Jesus is. And the emphasis that John places is what starts right at the very beginning, which is This man coming into this world is the Son of God. He is the Word made flesh, the Word of God, the Logos of God, the truth, the reason of God come into human form. This is the cosmic Christ. This is the creator of the universe coming in the flesh to dwell among us. It's a grand, majestic view of Jesus that 
transcends time and space and place and location, but yet comes right into those places, into the lives of these very disciples whom he comes to call. So John shares this story, and as he begins talking about and and characterizing who this Jesus is, he introduces us to another character named John, John the Baptist. And as it turns out, John the Apostle is already a disciple. He's just not a disciple of Jesus yet. He's a disciple of John the Baptist. Yes, many other teachers in that time would have disciples, people who they called to be with them, to learn of them, to learn about them, and to walk with them. John was one of them. And as John the Baptist is there with his disciples that included the apostle John and Andrew, they are there listening to John as John is pointing to Jesus and saying, look, behold the Lamb of God. He identifies who Jesus is, clearly. And that's the part of of John the Baptist that is so amazing and so powerful. John is a prophet. He's like an Old Testament prophet, but the difference is is the Old Testament prophets prophesied hundreds of years in advance of Jesus' arrival, yet never lived to see him arrive. John is there. John is on the scene, speaking like an Old Testament prophet. As a matter of fact, Jesus would refer to him as the greatest of all prophets. But he speaks and points to Jesus and says, there is the Lamb of God. And in doing so, John realizes that his ministry is coming to a close as Jesus' ministry is just beginning. And the first thing that happens is two of these disciples decide that they're going to start following Jesus. Can you imagine John being there with his disciples who he has been grooming and talking to and teaching and, and encouraging and, 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 to, and to be of his likeness and, and like him and, and, and enjoying God's presence and his word and, and repentance and baptism and all these things. And all of a sudden, two of them go, okay, I think we're following this guy now. But that's exactly what John the Baptist intended, that he would decrease so that Jesus could increase. And as John and Andrew see Jesus, they immediately get it from where they are, and they start following him. I wonder what the scene was like as John and Andrew see Jesus go by and just start kind of following him on the road. (laughs) Jesus maybe occasionally turning around, seeing these two following him, eventually stopping, looking at Andrew and John and saying to them, What do you want? (laughs) What do you want? What a profound question to come from the creator of the universe to look at these two men and say, what do you want? And their response is another question. So where are you staying, Jesus? We'd like to know because we'd like to be there with you. And Jesus says, come and see. Come and see. So they come and they get to spend the whole day with Jesus. Just the two of them with Jesus. What an amazing day that must have been. To be present with Jesus, hearing who he is, seeing what he is like, and being in the place where he is staying. Now it says twice there that they they wanted to see where he was staying and then that they did go and stay with him. And that word stay is the same root of the word abide. And you'll know that that word abide shows up a number of times in the Gospel of John, if you're familiar with it. We'll come across it again. But it's an important theme for Jesus 
and his disciples and for us to abide with Jesus. It's not just finding out what his living arrangements are, seeing what his bed looked like or where, where his coffee was stored. It was being in his presence. It was staying where he was staying and deciding that we want to abide where you are, Jesus. Wherever you are, that's where we want to be. That's their unique question and their unique journey. But after they're done staying and learning and being with Jesus, just for that one day, Andrew says, I've got to tell my brother about this guy. So up he goes to go find his brother Simon. He says, Simon, we've met the Messiah. You have got to come and see him. So Simon comes and meets Jesus. And before he says a word, Jesus knows what's on Simon's heart and looks at him and says, Ah, you're Simon, son of John. But from now on, you're Peter. Peter the Rock. I have to imagine that somewhere Jesus knows Peter's heart and recognizes what Peter's big question is. And that's, who am I to you? Who am I? I'm just a fisherman. Yes, I've been waiting for the Messiah, but what part do I have to play in this? Who am I? A question of identity. And Jesus names him, renames him. Oh, I know you're Simon, son of John. But to me, and to us, and to the future, you will be Peter, the rock. Jesus gives him an identity. No longer Simon the fisherman, now Peter the rock. So then they get up and they leave Galilee and Bethsaida and start moving on their way down the road. And Jesus sees another man who he wants to call to be with him, Philip. And I'm just, I'm guessing, this is just guessing, okay? But Philip says nothing. Jesus just sees him and says, follow me. And Philip gets up and follows him. Maybe Philip's just an introvert. Maybe he's just one of those guys who's like, I need to think this out a little bit. But I could imagine that maybe one of the questions that's on Philip's heart that he doesn't express yet, as Jesus says, come follow me, is, where are we going? Where are we going? And maybe not just even immediately, but like the big picture. Where is this journey going to take us? Because it's now in us. It's now a small band that are starting to follow along with Jesus. It doesn't take long for Philip to be around Jesus, see who he is, discover where he is going, to say, I've got to go find Nathaniel. So he goes and finds Nathaniel and lets Nathaniel know, you have got to meet this Jesus. You've got to, to get to know this guy, this son of Joseph, this, this guy from Nazareth. And Nathaniel, Nathaniel's not an introvert. Nathaniel's a skeptic. And Nathaniel goes, Nazareth? What possibly good thing can come from Nazareth? It's like, you know, being a Vikings fan and going, you're from Green Bay? What could possibly come from Green Bay? Just teasing, but only this much. <laughs> but it's the question. What could possibly come from Nazareth? Because you see, Nathaniel knows the story. Nathaniel understands. 
When Jesus sees Nathanael, he saw him first sitting under a fig tree. That image of sitting under a fig tree, that's a messianic age image. Part of the messianic age is that every man, okay, meaning every person, but would be found underneath the shade of their own fig tree, enjoying the riches, living the life. That's where Jesus finds Nathanael. Nathanael's comfortable where he is, but he understands the story. He recognizes what's going on. And when Jesus finally comes and sees him, he says, ah, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel would have gotten the story. He would have gotten the reference. Back to the Old Testament. Back to Jacob and Esau. He would have gotten it. And he goes, how do you know me? Well, I saw you. I saw you before you even saw me. And now Nathaniel realizes, this is not just any man. He goes, wow, it's true. This is who you are, the Messiah who has come. And Jesus says, you believe because I saw you before I met you underneath that fig tree. Let me tell you something. You are going to see much greater things than this. Jesus finding his disciples. He finds each one of them before they even know their disciples. Where they are. Right in the place that they were on their journey. And Jesus meets them there. And invites them to come and see. Jesus asks this question of his disciples, gives this invitation and asks the question to those disciples, what do you want? That first question, what do you want? Now, if I were just to throw that question out to you today and say, well, what do you want today? There may be a lot of different questions as you come into the new year that you might ask or answers or responses to that that you might have. You may follow it up with another question like, hey, what's going to happen with my family this year? Or maybe you're wondering, you know, am I going to see healing for me or for someone that I love this year? Should I stay with my current job or should I seek something new? Am I going to find deep friendship or maybe even love this year? Will I find a greater sense of purpose this year? You know, those are all real questions and, and things that God cares about, for sure. But I think there's something more that Jesus is asking in this question. The question that Jesus is asking is, what do you want with me? What do you want with Jesus? Now notice I didn't say, what do you want from Jesus? There's nothing wrong with asking for things from Jesus, by the way. But I think if we only live as disciples in that place of asking for things from Jesus, we can tend to turn Jesus into kind of the genie where we just rub the magic Bible and he comes and grants us three wishes. But the question of what do you want with Jesus, that's a question of relationship. That's a question of journey, the journey that you are on. But Jesus asks, what do you want with me? I want to be with Jesus. You know, I asked a related question to my staff this past week in thinking about the new year, and it was, what, what is your word for the new year? 
And a number of people have kind of brought this up. It's become something that's kind of common for people to, to think about rather than what's your New Year's resolution or what goals you're making. Those are all good things to have too, by the way. But instead, it's this, what, what is your word for this year? And I got some different responses from different staff members. They were great. Some, some of the answers were connection, hope, unity, some really great places and great thoughts to think about what they're hoping for, desiring in this new year. Others weren't quite sure or didn't quite have time to think about it. Maybe like some of the disciples, they're like, you kind of caught me a little flat-footed here, Pastor. I'd like to think about this a little bit more. Others were in places of going, yeah, you know what, I could think about it, but I'm right in the middle of something right now. Those are all real places in real lives, and our staff are just like anybody else. We're in those places in life, trying to think it through. What is it, Lord, that you want to speak to me this year? What word are you bringing to mind? He brought a word to mind for me personally, and that's the word favor. Favor from God and favor with God. Now, before you think, oh, your Pastor Darren wants a favor from God. <laughs> hey, Lord, could you do something for me? Um, that, that's not what I mean. <laughs> Because as we look in the Bible, and if you were here on Christmas Eve, you know that favor can mean an interesting thing. After all, Mary was found with favor with God, and that brought her on a journey that was quite challenging and to a conclusion that she never could have anticipated. But that's just for me, that I'm personally thinking. So what is it for you? What do you want with Jesus this year? Is there something you're hoping for? Is there a deeper place that you're hoping he leads you? Well, you know, here at CGLC, this question of what do you want with Jesus this year, it reflects some things about our mission and our vision, and in particular, one of our values. We have a mission here, which is to be and make disciples of Jesus. Just as Jesus was making these disciples, we want to be one of those disciples, and we want to continue to see more people become disciples of Jesus, wherever they are in their journey. We also have a vision, which is to see grace in every corner of our community. And when Jesus says, come and see, I believe that's something that he invites all of us to in our lives, in the places we are, to say, come and see. Come and see what I'm already doing out in the world so you can join me in it. Then we also have some values here. They're up on the wall, and we talk about them regularly. But as we come into the new year, the one that we're focusing on is to invite first and next steps with Jesus. Well, Jesus is clearly inviting first steps with these disciples. But that first step is just that. It's a first step. What's the next step that Jesus has for you? Where are you going with Jesus in this new year? And we're working together as a congregation to create opportunities to live out and live in to this question and we are working on some discipleship pathways and some new definitions and some groups and some service opportunities and events. And all those things are good. But listen, our goal in offering these things is not to fill your calendar with busyness. It's not to create a new Jesus checklist that you get to check off each month. Oh, visited the grocery store, check. Went to the doctor, check. Spent some time with Jesus, check. Now it's more than that. It's 
It's also not to guilt you into doing more for Jesus. Not at all. And it's not to compete or compare our church to other churches. God bless the other churches and the places and things that they are doing that are in alignment with God's will. I want nothing but good for them. All I want for us is what God wants for us and for you with Jesus. We simply want to ask that question of you. What do you want with Jesus this year? And then will you come and see? Will you follow the invitation that Jesus gives you through opportunities here and through opportunities in your own neighborhood and in your own lives, in your own groups, in your own families and relationships? There is so much to engage in with Jesus. And just like it was with those first disciples, Jesus will find you wherever you are on your journey. Wherever you are. You don't have to be afraid of the big questions. Remember, Jesus found his disciples before they were disciples. He can find you and wherever path you are on in your journey. And he invites you to, to learn of him and to trust him and to imitate him. And I promise you, you will never run out of things to discover about Jesus. And he can handle every question and every doubt that you bring to him. And as you grow closer to him, well, he may have some questions for you too. Other questions about what's happening in your life. He cares. His love is deep. His salvation is rich. And all of it is something he offers to you with an invitation to come and see. Let's come and see this year. Let's listen as Jesus asks us, what do you want with me this year? Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's a phrase. Maybe you're in a place today of going, I'm not ready to answer that question because I'm really struggling right now. Let Jesus be with you. Let that be the place where you're at today where all you want is for Jesus to be with you in the struggle. That's okay too. He's with you on the mountaintop and in the valley. Let's be with him this year and let's come and see what he has in mind for 2023. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's a new year and it's the same old me. But I thank you, Lord, for all of the experiences and places that you led me this past year. I thank you for the places and experiences that you led so many of your people this past year. Lord, as we step into this new year, Father, I pray that you would open up possibilities and opportunities to your people who are called by your name. And that you would open doors to those who don't yet know you, Lord for you to meet them, reveal yourself to them as you always do, and invite them to come and see the life that you have, the hope that you bring, the forgiveness that you offer, 
and the transforming power of your Holy Spirit that can reshape us into the vessels that you can use for your glory, not for ours. Thank you, Jesus, for another new year. Bless and keep us as we seek to follow you. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.